0: I want to start with a question. A question that the Gemara asks in Megillah. The Gemara asks, Why is it that we do not say Halel on this day, on the day of Purim? And the Gemara answers a specific answer. The Gemara rebuffs that answer. And then the Gemara says as follows, I understand why you say Halel on Pesach, Bishle mahatam says Rava. Avde Hashem, the Pasuk says. Halelu Avde Amunai. Give praise, servants of God. So that's what we say in Halel. So when it comes to Misraim, the people were servants of God. Velo, Avde Paro. They were not the servants of Paro anymore. But when it comes to the story of Purim, Halalu. Uh, Could you say, give praise the servants of God? Were they not the servants of Achashverosh? They still were, even after the redemption. Even after the story, even after Haman is killed. Achashverosh is still their king. And Achashverosh is a wicked man. So therefore we cannot say Hallel. Why? Because we are not truly, fully servants of God if we are also servants of Achashverosh. Whereas by Misraim we were exclusively servants of God. But I want to focus on the word on the words excuse me that the Gemara brings in the name of Ravah. Ravah, just so you understand is one of the Amoraim. He's around in the time of the Gemara he's one of the most common people that's mentioned in the Gemara always having a machloket with abaye listen to what Ravah says carefully akati avde achashverosh anan if you study Aramaic you'll know that that does not mean we were still the servants of achashverosh it means we are still the servants of Akhashirosh. Anyone here paying taxes to Akhashirosh? Yes. Yes? Oh my gosh, I gotta get you a better tax lawyer. Okay, let's rephrase. Anyone here paying taxes at all? <laughs> Alright, okay, fine. Akati and we're still servants of Achashverosh? What are you talking about? I want to share with you something magnificent. Haman has another name. What is Haman's other name? Anyone know? Right? He's called Memuchan a few times in the Megillah. That's his name in the beginning of the story, before he rises to power. Right? But what's curious to note? is that even though it calls him Mimuchan a few times, he's the advisor that advises Ahasuerus to get rid of Vashti. Mimuchan, that's Haman, different name. We're told by our rabbis that he's called Mimuchan because he was Muchan le Pur'anut, he was prepared for punishment, this man. Mimuchan. But what's fascinating is that there's one time that Haman is not his name, and Mimuchan is not his name, but it's spelled Differently, incorrectly, actually. Not mem, mem, vav, chafnun, mimuchan, but rather mem, vav, mem, chafnun, mumchan, But we don't call him that. We actually read it, mimuchan. Fascinating. Our rabbis explain, you know why he was called mumchan and not mimuchan? You know why it's written that way? It was communicating that he was a moom, a wound, a blemish for Khan. Khaf is 20 and Nun is 50. The exact amount of time that Haman is in his apex of power is how long? 70 days. So moom, this wound, this blemish, how long does it last? Mum 70. In fact, the Chachamim bring that the Pasuk says that when Mordechai did not bow down in front of Haman, everyone had to bow down. Why? Ki chen For 70 the king had commanded, for 70 days, people bowed to Haman. This whole story from desperation to salvation is a 70-day. Saga Mumchan But my friends That's not it And I want to share with you A little bit of a rabbit hole That we're going to go down If that's okay This concept Mumchan That he's a devastating person For that long Is actually borne out Because if you count the pesukim From the pasuk where it says that the king made Ahasverosh, Ahasverosh made Haman, this great person, okay? He raised his profile. Exactly from there until the pasuk, Vayitlu Haman ala etz, exactly 70 pasukim. His reign is 70 days. We find that out in his name, Mumchan. How long does the king command it for? 70 days. Seems pretty interesting, right? So far. Let's carry on. What's interesting though, is that this 70 day period is not random at all. But actually, it's very specific. Rabbis tell us that the Jewish people, they were punished for going, attending the Seudat Achashverosh, the party of Achashverosh. Now that sounds a little bit extreme for God, doesn't it? You know, you're going to punish the Jews with death, all of them. Because they went to a party. I mean, I know that there are some parents that really don't like when you go to the wrong party. But come on. Grounded forever, one thing. Dead forever, all of you, men, women, and children, one day. Come on. Because he went to a party? And the rabbis explain that what was it about this party that was so bad? It was that they were drinking wine. How were they drinking wine? Wine that was older than themselves. They were drinking wine, vikelim, mikelim, shonim. In the vessels of the Beit HaMikdash out of the cups the goblets the the big large you know goblets that they had in the Beit HaMikdash for capturing the blood of the Korbanot they were drinking wine at this party giving toasts with the holy vessels of the Beit HaMikdash of the destroyed temple now the concept here my friends is very powerful it is not a sin that the Jewish people are paying for But rather they are living the reality of their actions. You see, Haman and Achashverosh made this interesting party in the third year of his reign. Do you know why? The Midrash tells us that Haman wanted to get rid of the Jews. He makes this party. Achashverosh says, I can't make this party. I can't use the vessels of the Beit HaMikdash. Do you know what happened to my wife's grandfather, Belshazzar? For those of you who know Tanakh, you'll know that Belshazzar also threw such a party. In the middle of the party, all of a sudden, there's a hand writing on the wall. Okay? The Shatzah doesn't know what it means. This hand writing on the wall, writing these words in Hebrew. They call in the Navi Daniel. Daniel says, You know what it means? You know what it's writing? It's writing that you're gonna die. When? Tonight. Tonight we are dead. <laughs> now I need you to understand this because this is so powerful. The axiom. The concept that we write, we talk about the writing on the wall. That's where it comes from. Seeing the writing on the wall, in that moment Belshazzar dies. Why? For disrespecting Hakadosh Baruch Hu in the Beit Hamikdash. Achashverosh, married to Vashi, the granddaughter of Belshazzar, makes exactly the same party. Why? And our rabbis tell us because Haman and Verosh, they made a mistake in their calculations. They began counting the time for this party. They began counting nine years too early. For the time of the Galut, of the va Mazger, the scholars when they left nine years before the rest of the populace, they counted from them. And they knew that there was a prophecy that the Jewish people had, that they would last 70 years in exile, and then they would be redeemed. They counted 70 years. No God. Brilliant! Let's get this party started. What are they cracking out? Mikelim, mikelim, Shonim. The Jews are drinking a lechayim. To their own demise. To the fact that they would never be exiled. To the fact that there would be no Mashiach. There would be no Beit HaMikdash. And they were just like everybody else. And you know what God says to a person that walks away from Him? God says, you don't have Emunah. You don't have Bitachon. You want to survive by yourself? Mesir Hashgachato Mimenu. God takes His Divine Providence away. Let's see how long you last. You want to drive? What happens when the Jewish people drive For two seconds Without God at the wheel Death and destruction What should have happened to us Thousands of years ago Happens immediately But my friends The mumchen This wound Of 70 days It doesn't only refer to the wound In the flesh of the Jewish people The potential of death and destruction for us It describes a wound Of 70 that we inflicted as well. Because those vessels we drank out of were a mistaken calculation of the 70 years we were supposed to be in exile until we were redeemed. We couldn't wait. We couldn't wait to party just like everybody else. So what happened? We drank Wine in those vessels. Fascinating. The word for wine is Yayin, Yud, Yud, Nun, Ten, Ten, Fifty, Seventy. So drinking Seventy in Seventy is a wound of Seventy to God? What do we get payback for? A person called Mimuchan, whose name is changed to Mumchan because he's going to bother you for exactly as long. My friends, the concept here of drawing these parallels and lines is not for our health. It's here for a very specific reason. It's here to tell you. It's here to tell you, my friends, that there is nothing that is happening without His exact and precise guidance. Nothing. Not who, not how long, not how bad. And therefore when the Gemara asks... Haman Where do you find Haman in the Torah in the Gemara answers? Oh, I can find Haman in the Torah. It brings a Pasuk in Bereshit, where God says to uh, Adam and Eve in the Garden of Eden, Did you eat from the tree I told you not to eat from? Did you eat from the tree? Yay, Haman, Hamin. Okay, fantastic. Did any of you think of Haman when you eat your Hamin Friday night? Nobody thinks that. I saw a beautiful pshat. This concept is el- elaborated in different pieces from Bidibar Tabam, Rav Bogomilski. Listen to what he says. He says, look at the words in the Torah. Haman, Hamim. That's not the word we want you to notice. We want you to notice in the Torah, not just the man's name, but what happens to him. What happens to Haman? He gets hung on Ha'etz. Hamin ha'etz, Haman ha'etz. But it doesn't just end there. The letters of the word ha'etz, fascinatingly, he is five, a'in is 70, and sadi is 90, is exactly 195. The pasuk is telling you, the name Haman, Haman the Gematriyav, Haman is 95. How long will Haman last until he gets to the tree? 95. And 70 is exactly 165. So the the Gemara was saying, where can I see Haman's whole story in the Torah? Haman Ha'et. Look how we put them together. The Torah was hinting this to you. These hints, what are they for? I'd like to give you one more piece to this puzzle. The Siftecha HaChamim, he brings a very interesting Pasuk. The Pasuk says, The drink, it was fantastic. No one forced you to drink anything you didn't want to drink. There was no shortage of the the drink that you had. It was fantastic. And then the Pasuk says something interesting. And the drink, there was so much of it. It was a lot. It was more. Like the hand of a king. The Gemara says on these words, Rav Ki that when you came in and you were 18, they gave you wine that was 19 years old. If you came in and you were 25, they gave you wine that was 26. However old you were, the wine that you drank was older than you. Rav Ki says the Siftei Chachamim something magnificent. He says if you look at Josephus, the Jewish historian that lived during the Roman times, and if you look in this M'sip he writes that this king, this Persian king, the one that we call Achashverosh, which Persian king was it? He says it was the king called Artaxerxes Longimanus. Artaxerxes means, in Persian, correct me if I'm wrong, I'll you Right? We have some great nexus here, I don't know, maybe you could tell me. Artaxerxes means warrior, or warrior king. You know what Longimanus means? That? that is a good guess by the way but incorrect <laughs> longimanus means of the long arm you see Achashverosh had a right arm that was longer than his left arm says the Siftei Chachamim, that's what the pasuk means rav if you were this old they gave you wine that was older than you like what? What else is uneven? HaMelech Like the hands of the king, this guy. They at the time they were a little bit less woke about the way you spoke about disabled people. So they could throw a line like that in. You know, they gave you one, it was uneven, just like the king's hands. Who talks like that now? But this is but that's what the Siftechim says was going on in the Megillah. Now, I read this, I was like, that is so cool, so interesting, so useless, so irrelevant, isn't it? Why did God need to have the long-armed king be the guy? <laughs> why does he need to do Why is that the case? So that we can make the pun in the Megillah? That's it? God is punny? No. The answer, my friends, is that the 70-70-70-70-70-70 paradox and the long-arm of Ahasuerus are one and the same. You see, there's a funny thing that happens. In our world. We know that God wants us to find them, correct? And the question then is, if God wants us to find him, why does he hide? That indeed is really the story of Purim. The hidden nature of God, correct? Where God does not mention himself. There's no mention of God. They don't talk about Hashem at all. It's wild, not even one time. He features not at all in the story. My friends, but I need you to hear this. And yet, this story, Megillat Esther, the revealing of the hidden, is supposed to be the revelation of God. And He's not there. Why is God, if He wants us to find Him, why is God hiding? And the answer is, many answers. I know some of you are already thinking that you know the answer. The answer is, where would your free will be? I find that's like the answer to many questions in Jewish speeches. Free will. Okay, no, that's not the answer here. Although that is also the answer here. You have to be able to have the free will to search out, to find God, to be rewarded. Gotcha. Okay, ten points. Hazako Baruch. Relax. I'd like to suggest an alternate understanding. If you want to be found, you cannot be omnipresent. You cannot be always around. Because when you are always there, that helps you not be seen. The mom that's always there for the kid. Kid don't see the mother, expects this stuff to happen by itself, because he don't see her anymore. She's always there. The kid that comes to the mother and says, Ma, you know, when I wrote you this beautiful note, here you go, I called you for Shabbat. Oh my God, it's so nice that you called me. Other kids are like, Ma, I call you every week. If I call you every week, you don't notice. I call you every day, you don't notice. If I call you occasionally, Oh my God, so nice to hear from you. With an extra helping of Jewish guilt. <laughs> Are you running out of minutes on your phone? If you want to be seen, you need to play peekaboo. a ulam Olam says, I want you to see me, so I can't always show myself. So how do I let you find me? God leaves like Hansel and Gretel, breadcrumbs leading you to Him, signs leading you to Him, making you realize that His fingerprint is here, that He's been, that He's influenced, that He's guiding. So when God punishes or rewards in an exact manner, what is God saying? This this didn't happen. This happened because I wanted it to. That's why it's this long, for that sin. That's why when you sin with this part of your body, midah midah, I punish you the same way. That's why the Egyptians who drown the babies in the water, wind up drowning in the water. God's midah midah is not for fun. It's so that you see Him. So all the 70s are for the Jewish people to realize, Hello, I'm here. My friends, I want to share with you something amazing. Because what the Jewish people were missing, what were they missing? They were missing their, their redemption. They were in exile, they were in galut, they needed geula, they needed to be redeemed. And why did they go to the party of Achashverosh? Because they were afraid. What happens if we disobey His command? Maybe He'll punish us. Hashem says, let me give you a breadcrumb. You're worried you won't get redeemed. I want you to remember when you were first redeemed. The beginning of the redemption story of the Jewish people. Everything is terrible in Egypt. All the babies are dying. Moshe Rabbeinu was born. They, his parents still think he's going to get killed. And what do they do? The mother takes him, puts him in a basket, sticks him in the water, pushes him off. Still not redemption. Where does redemption begin? When Batya at the water, the daughter of Paro, reaches out her hand to grab the baby. And the pasuk says, Vatishlachet amata. She sent her hand. Her arms stretched. Once again we find this concept. They are saved by a person who has one arm that is longer than the other. (laughs) The Jewish people saw the big aim. So God says, I'm going to hide in this story. But I want to give you the clues. I want to give you the foreshadowing. I want you to realize everything is going to play out the same way. Can you see me? Have you seen this film before? Just like the story in the Megillah, what happens? The Savior of the Jew is brought into the palace of the king. And just like the story of Egypt, the Savior in the palace of the king, no one knows their identity. It's remarkable Hashem is literally jumping up and down annoyed saying, how are you not getting this? I always imagine Hashem in the story of Purim, exactly like you and me, when we are really frustrated in a game of Pictionary you're like you know the guy that just points and doesn't draw more, that guy you're like, draw! and then he goes, no rips the paper, draws the same picture that guy is a special place in Geyenam for that guy you wasted the time, drew the same thing. What are you doing? That's Hashem. Hashem's like I gave you all the clues to find me, to realize redemption was on its way. But the answer is Akati Avde We are still the servants of Achashverosh. The word Achashverosh, if you break it into half, sometimes it's spelled in the Megillah. Achash, Verosh, Resh, vavshin. Sometimes it's spelled in the Megillah Achash, verash. Those two words, my friends Achash means, I feel Virash means, and I am poor I am impoverished Because I, I feel There are times, my friends, that our emotions Our fear, it runs so deep It hurts so much that we rob from ourselves, we become poor. Isn't that fascinating? The pasuk says... Um, by Chizkiyahu, he's about to die, and the Navi comes into him, Yishayah says, you're going to die, why? Because you never got married. He says, but I had a reason not to get married. He says, well, you you shouldn't have reasons, you should have just trusted in Hashem. And Chizkiyahu says, okay, but then I'll do Teshuvah. Give me your daughter, I'll marry your daughter, I'll do Teshuvah, blah, 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 blah. Yishayah says, like it's too late. Chizkiyahu says, get out of my house. Why? Because, I learned this from my father's father's house even a sword that is sharpened a blade that is sharpened that rests on your neck don't withhold yourself from mercy do not withhold yourself from mercy that's a weird way of saying those words it should say you can still get mercy it doesn't say that it says how many times is God's mercy there? And we, it is we who stop ourselves from getting it. Because why? Achash, I feel so deeply, so painfully. Varash, and that feeling, the depth of that feeling, it renders me poor. It steals from me the greatest wealth that I have in the world, that I have Hakadosh Baruchu right at my side. I allow my emotions. To drag me away from him. I'd like to suggest that maybe that's the reason why we give matanot le We give gifts to the poor on Purim. The poor people do not feature in the story of Purim at all. Mishlach manot israel, I get, bring all the Jews together. Where does the poor people in the story of the Megillah? They don't appear. The answer is yes, they do. All the Jews were poor. They gave up their heritage. They gave up their hope for a future. They gave up on the 70 years coming in just a little bit more. They gave up on the Jewish story. They were impoverished. But we can get it back. And the way we get it back, my friends, is by recognizing that for God, it never really changes. Raise your hand if you remember a time when you felt incredibly connected to Hashem. Anyone had a moment like that in their life where you felt very connected to God? Anyone? Yeah? Not enough people. We need to work on that. Anyone here have a moment where you felt incredibly disconnected from God? Raise your hand. Yeah? Roughly around the same. I think it was the same people, by the way. <laughs> At least they're aware, by the way. At least they're aware of the... I want to point out something. For you, those two moments could not be more different. One, you were riding high. Your emunah was strong. Everything was fantastic. You were on top of the world. One, you were down in the dumps. Everything was terrible. The worst ever. Terrible. For you, the experience was different. For God, the experience was the same. God is never less than 100% in on the relationship with you. No matter what you do, he's a hundred percent in. Any distance you feel is your distance. It's you walking away, but God is always all in, all the time. And therefore, my friends, and therefore, the opportunity of learning the lessons of Purim, of dialing it back, of seeing his fingerprints. Of recognizing how close we always are to salvation. Even though it feels like we will not be redeemed nationally, personally. What are you waiting for? What do you hope that you'd have that you still don't have? I thought by this time in my life, I'd have, I'd have, I'd have. Right? And you don't! She's a con find your emuna. The most tragic thing in the world is to have emuna in your best moments and to lose it in your worsts. Can I tell you why? You know what that's like? And I'll end with this mashal. Imagine you pay your whole life for health insurance. And the reason why you're paying for health insurance half the time, you're not even using the insurance, you're going out of, a, out of the what's Every doctor in New York City doesn't know what insurance is. I feel like it's a word in another language. You're like, you take insurance? What? I'm sorry, what? Insurance? What is this thing that you speak of? And I keep wondering why we bother with health insurance. You know what the answer is? The answer is because there'll come a time sometimes in someone's life, not ours, of course, not us, <laughs> Where someone will have an accident, they'll have a problem, they'll need a massive surgery that they could never pay for, out of network. (laughs) And then, and then they need their insurance policy. Could you imagine paying your whole life for insurance just for this moment? the moment when you need those surgeries, the moment when you need to be hospitalized at $100,000 a day, thousand there's a new number made up, that's what the hospitals charge, the insurance companies. (laughs) Imagine knowing that day was today and you called your insurance company and you canceled your policy. That is the same thing. As a person who has emunah on all the days that things are up. And then when they are at their lowest, falters in their emunah. Now's when you cash in the chips, not throw them in the garbage. Now's when you use your emunah. When you rely on it, where it sustains you, where it holds you up, where it keeps a smile on a facet face that should have a frown. Now's when you use it. May Hashem bless us always. To have our emunah in our darkest moments. May Hashem bless us always to recognize that this number 70 of ge'ula, it represents a person's life because we are constantly striving for Gi'ulah, personal, national, uh, familial. And b'ezat Hashem, through that process, we will be Zoche to have a true Megillat Esther play out in each and every one of our lives. And may the hand of achashverosh, And Batya and God reach all the way into our story and change the details that we so desperately wish would be better immediately.